0: Hello and welcome to A Health podyssey. I'm your host, Alan Weil. More than a decade has passed since the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services began implementing a collection of value-based payment programs designed to provide financial incentives for hospitals to deliver high-quality care. Now, these programs have moved billions of dollars from what are considered lower performing hospitals to higher performing hospitals. The penalties and bonuses are calculated using various formulas which have been subject to scrutiny since the program's inception. One area of concern has been that hospitals may be penalized for factors outside their control, which if true, undermines the goals of the program and harms hospitals and the patients they serve. Do the CMS value-based programs appropriately take into account community and patient factors outside a hospital's control? That is the topic of today's episode of A Health Policy. I'm here with Chip Kahn, President and CEO of the Federation of American Hospitals. Mr. Kahn and co-authors published a paper in the July 2023 issue of Health Affairs assessing the CMS hospital value-based programs and the relationship between payment and patient, community, and hospital characteristics. They found some areas of concern regarding the possibility of, as I noted, penalizing hospitals for factors outside their control. We'll discuss what they found in more detail in today's episode. Uh, Mr. Khan, Chip, I've known you for a long time. Hope I can call you Chip. Uh, Welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Alan. Really glad to be here.
0: So this is a really important topic. Uh, we want to reward performance. The whole premise of value-based programs is you find the good performers, you give them incentives to do better. Um, let's step back, though, a little bit because you've been involved in this uh, from the beginning and before the beginning. From where you sit, what do you, how would you characterize CMS's approach to value-based payment uh, for in the hospital sector?
1: Well, value-based payment in the hospital sector is critically important. Uh, to me, there's sort of three themes and three purposes for it. First, uh, it's for improvement. Uh, we want to provide the highest quality care, and we need measures and a programs that help us improve. Second, uh, obviously, value-based means accountability. We need to be accountable. And so I think it's very useful for these programs to have features that will allow the regulator, to hold us accountable. And finally, uh, transparency is critically important in terms of letting consumers, researchers and others know how we're doing. And I think these programs play these three roles very well, however, with uh, any kind of program, uh, they ought to be dynamic, they ought to be evolving over time. And unfortunately, uh, the roots of these programs are in statute, in legislation. Uh, Medicare legislation. And so CMS sort of has a structure set for them. I think they try within that structure, but it's a fixed structure. And I think as we talk about the results of our our research, uh, we'll see some of the
0: weaknesses of this approach. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the transparency element because there's a lot of focus on that. We often ask people to report data, but if the data aren't tied to anything, you get all kinds of problems around data quality and timeliness. Here, the data are used for payment, and so there's a strong business reason to pay attention to them. And uh, I don't think we focus enough on transparency as an element of value-based payment. But let's keep going. That's uh, uh, just a little editorial comment on my part. Now, you, of course, work with hospital leaders all the time. Um, and before we get into just sort of the what's good and not so good about them, like, are these on the radar screen for hospital leaders? Or is this a place that they put a lot of attention? Or do they sort of go, I got a million things on my plate, value-based payment just isn't that high a priority for me?
1: Well, let me say clinical quality uh, and overall performance is job one for hospital CEOs, health system CEOs, uh, for those that work in hospitals, for our nursing staffs and our other professionals. And whether it's these specific programs and the measures here or other measures they use to be constantly considering how to improve, uh, I would say that the evidence base of Uh, doing healthcare today is uh, 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 the highest priority. There's so much more information available today. I think we've come on a journey over the last 20 years. I I think there was a point uh, at the end of the last century, moving into this century, and obviously the Institute of Medicine pointed out that, you know, hospitals needed to up their game. But I think since then they have. and, And I can say in terms of uh, the systems that I work for, uh, that all the CEOs have as their, uh, the CEOs of the companies have as their, uh, criteria, uh, and performance judged by their boards, uh, how their hospitals are doing in terms of, uh, clinical and other performance measures.
0: Okay. So, uh, good to know that this, uh, draws their attention and interest. Um, Let's start uh, looking at what you found in the paper. Now, one of the things you did in the paper was look at something you did in an earlier paper that we published around the relationship between uh, penalties and rewards in the value-based payment programs and hospital characteristics. Um, And you you redid that here. So that was sort of the, I would call it sort of the first wave of questioning about whether or not these programs were... Uh, rewarding the right things. So, what do we know about basic hospital characteristics and who gets penalized uh, in these programs?
1: Well, as you know, uh, Alan, uh, actually, this is the the, the third paper. Uh, we started in 2009 with a paper looking at measures. Uh, we went back in 2015 uh, and looked at the measures that were put in, in legislation that were in the three programs we we're talking about. And then obviously, uh, 2023 is a check-in. And what we found was in terms of those hospitals that received more penalties or weren't performing as well according to these programs, that uh, large hospitals, uh, teaching hospitals uh, really were sort of in the same place. Now, on the one hand, we can conclude they haven't improved, although there was a lot of improvement leading up to our 2015 analysis. Um, But I I think there are uh, issues now with a program that's been in place for over a decade. We have a a hospital-acquired conditions program where the penalty structure is automatic. Uh, The bottom 25% of hospitals get penalized no matter what. And we have a readmissions program where almost 85% of hospitals are penalized, which on the one hand could lead one to conclude, gosh, we got a problem. On the other hand, if you look at the way the formula works... It assumes that that zero readmissions is where we ought to be, and frankly, with the conditions they're looking at—the cardiac conditions, other conditions—that's not only impossible; that's not even preferable. Uh, so, I think those programs, particularly, and some of aspects of those programs, are embedded in the formulas that get you the value-based program, the the, the third program. Uh, I think I think part of it could be the programs. Second. We then, in our analysis, and we'll talk about it in a few minutes, get into the issue of disparities, and we look at it at it in a sense from a geographic and 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 uh, disparity variable point of view. but I think that provides an indicator that the hospitals that are most likely to be treating the most vulnerable patients are the ones that are in this situation, and that may be the factor outside their control because of the patient population, not as much because of how they're doing. And and finally, I think we have something indicative of this in CMS policy. CMS decided to adjust the readmissions uh, by uh, one factor that may reflect disparity, uh, and that's dual eligibles, those Medicare beneficiaries that are eligible for Medicare and Medicaid. And that has had a, a major effect on how that measure works, uh, even with all the math of sort of pushing it towards, trying to push it towards zero readmissions. So uh, I think that our research is beginning to shed some light, uh, but frankly, uh, a lot more work needs to be done so that we can move from associations we find, I mean, to real answers that could drive
0: new policy. Yeah, so we'll get into that in a moment. But, you know, you raise one of the inherent tensions in any sort of financial incentive. You mentioned the multiple goals at the outset. Rewarding high performance and rewarding improvement are uh, two different, related, but also sometimes in conflict uh, goals. And if you have consistent placement of a hospital, and this is true in any sort of um, pay-for-performance model, if, if... if uh if any participant sort of stays in the same place that signal uh is is confusing about whether you're penalizing or rewarding where you are relative to what you're doing to try to move up the ladder so this tension probably is never going to go away but it's very sensitive to the specifications of these programs as you describe you mentioned that this is the continuation of earlier analysis, but in this one you started looking at uh, community and patient characteristics uh, tell us tell me a little more if you could about what you were trying to figure out about those in this paper.
1: Well clearly, one of the top priorities of this administration of this CMS is to have in programs it's in healthcare but it's really in everything uh, have programs recognize uh, disparities uh, in the in the healthcare context uh, social determinants that may not be accounted for in our current structure of uh, feedback that we get from the from our, our metrics and ultimately uh, from how we subsidize these programs uh, so we and and we knew that CMS would be looking at, at this and so we decided um, to look at a, a combination of potential effects on hospital performance of uh, something called community resilience, um, and we looked at uh, Census Bureau uh, proxies, uh, both a composite measure they have, something called the community resilience estimate, and then we looked at individual uh, indicators they have, the American Community Survey, and we we then and, and that allowed us both to say, well, how does a composite of 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 poverty, employment, other factors work in terms of associating that with hospital performance or, or, or penalties in this case? Or, and how does and how would it work if we take individual uh, uh, community-based indicators like living alone or employment or uh, uh, uncompensated care? And so that's what we did in our analysis. Now, I should add, since then, we were trying to second-guess where we thought CMS would go. Since then, they chose to use uh, the area uh, deprivation index, uh, which is not that dissimilar from what we used. Uh, Unfortunately, we didn't hit it right on the mark. But I think in terms of our analysis, um, we come to a conclusion, which I'll talk about in a few minutes when you're ready, um, that I think should be very telling for how we look at these issues.
0: Yeah, I mean, there are a number of indices out there, and uh, they have obviously uh, different um, elements in them, but they try to capture similar comments. Well, I uh, did give a hint in the introduction about the kinds of findings you had, and you're eager to talk about them, but I'm going to say we'll do that after we take a short break, and we'll come back and hear what you found. And we're back. I'm speaking with Chip Kahn about the CMS hospital value-based programs. And uh, we were just, as we went into the break, about to reveal the results of the analysis in the paper we recently published. Um, It starts uh, looking at the question of when you examine the characteristics of the communities hospitals are in and you examine which hospitals are getting penalties and rewards, I wonder if you can tell us a bit about what you found.
1: Well, as I mentioned, uh, we used two indices, uh, the the CRE, the Community Resilience Estimate, and, and it includes poverty, uh, crowded uh, housing, a single caregiver, a low English uh, literacy, and a, and, a, and a few other items. Uh, and it, it, it takes all of these measures for a geographic area, and and, and it's a composite. And then we took the hospital data and results in the three programs, and and ran regression analysis against these um, uh, indicators, um, and then we, in a sense, to the best we could, uh, disaggregated them by, by by picking an index which parallels that, the American Community Survey, uh, and then we did a comparison. But there we went, individual, you know, poverty, living alone, crowded housing. We did each individual indicator. And, and I think what our most compelling finding was, was that we found an association between the composite and performance. And then, but, but then when we went to, when we looked at what we disaggregated, we found that some of the individual indicators, such as poverty, uh, were not actually good indicators of hospital performance. Um, so, and others like living alone were extremely good indicators. So what we concluded was that we cannot necessarily say, when you look at a composite, that that gives you a roadmap. That only tells you when you sort of stack all these variables together, some of them are going to be strong enough to find an association. Whereas when you look at it individually, uh, you really begin to ferret out what are the best. And from frankly, going back to my themes of what we're trying to achieve here, I think this may... Give us a roadmap to look at the next step. And frankly, we probably should be looking at individual measures at the end of the day because that's going to help us indicate, well, what should we be asking patients? What are the factors that when we get patients are most going to be associated uh, with with their difficulties? And, and, And going back to your theme from the very beginning, factors that hospitals can't affect, You know, I think at the end of the day, we need to find factors regarding disparity that hospitals can affect, which ultimately should lead to better results on our our measures, but most importantly, better patient care for these patients that come from these areas uh, that, uh, you know, indicate that that they have um, disparities, uh, their social determinants that are affecting
0: their needs that we have to meet. So that's a really interesting way of thinking about uh, how to use the findings. On the one hand, you can see why CMS would want to use sort of an aggregated measure for simplicity, for communication, for just saying, look, this is what we're this is how we're capturing the characteristics of the community. But what you're saying is that given the different findings about the relationship for individual indicators within that composite, that actually can give hospitals a roadmap to providing better care. And so uh, having nothing to do with the payment incentives or the value-based payment program, that analysis is sort of a, 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 a helpful, certainly not doesn't answer all the questions, but it's helpful in uh, highlighting the dimensions of disadvantage or risk or or limitations that people may experience that are most likely to affect their care is that is that how I'm that's how I heard you
1: that's critically important here I think uh, but let me also say that I think this does indicate and may have implications for other parts of the program that there are weaknesses in using composites because you may get the kind of results you want, but when you sort of open up the the black box and start looking at the individual variables, some of those may be very weak, and maybe we shouldn't be using those variables, because at the end of the day, this is going to, this will be related back to payment, and I, I think when you're shooting with real bullets regarding accountability, we need that accountability uh, to all be, all have strong statistical uh, relationships, with the data that's being collected. So I, I, I think it does raise a red flag on composites. I've had concern about composites in the clinical area uh, for a long time. Um, as you say, they're easy, they're simple, uh, and, and sometimes you can argue they're less burdensome. But on the other hand, we really need accuracy here uh, because the, the results of these measures uh, have serious
0: implications uh, for those providing the services. Yeah, so I'm trying to think about the policy implications here because um, you could also imagine that as you do these analyses at the individual indicator level that the coefficients are going to change from year to year, that the that the uh, actual specification of the regression model uh, could have an effect on on uh, which variables had statistically significant results. I mean, we, we do need some stability, presumably in these from a payment perspective, or else that's not going to help hospitals plan and and be strategic. So I am trying to figure out here how we navigate the the combined, as you say, when you're shooting with real bullets, how we combine the analytic results from a uh, improvement science perspective and from a payment perspective, and it maybe we do need to think of these as uh, related, but but more separate than we have. Is that is that what you're saying?
1: Well, I, I think with the quality programs from the very beginning, uh, you're you're taking your best shot. I mean, none of these. We're not talking about outcomes generally. We're not talking about patient reported outcomes particularly. So you could make an argument overall that, you know, we're looking at statistical associations. We're not looking at exact an outcome product. So th- these programs are sort of a little precarious to begin with. I, I guess I would argue that um, uh, if I was reforming the programs, that we if we had some kind of periodic check, because I think the consistency you talk about is very important, five years, seven years. Uh, some and, and we we and we design programs where we make the best judgment we can at a given time. We put the program in place, knowing that at some point we're going to come back, we're going to revisit it and see whether everything's still working. And you're going to have constant analysis. And let me say something else, too. You know, we're, I don't want to get ahead of myself here with chat GBT and big data, but we're not very far off from a period in which we're not going to have to wait eighteen months uh, for, for for the data to be to be worked through. Um, we're going to hopefully be moving closer to real time, and maybe that will alleviate some of these issues too. But I, but unfortunately, uh, the kind of reform I'm talking about is in the current policy making uh, uh, milieu is very very difficult because CMS doesn't control all the variables. And you get to Congress, and if you want me to get into it, I can get into some of the constraints uh, that, in a sense, would inhibit the kind of uh, dynamic policy I was talking about.
0: Well, you know who else would like uh, policy that way is uh, journal editors, because the thought (laughs) of having sort of five years of policy fixed, and then you change it all at once based on the best evidence at the time, and you get five more years, and... Boy, you could get really good papers out of a policy environment like that instead of continuous refinements and changes and adjustments and constraints. So, so I, you can sign me up as a part of the team for for a more deliberative and and spe- uh, time specific uh, periods of updates on on policy because that is how we would uh, learn. Well, look as we as we come to a close, I think this is you, you've raised both. Precise, fairly narrow issues, as well as broader, more conceptual ones, and I—that's I, part of what's made this uh, conversation rewarding for me. Um, let's close. Since you have, of course, experience on the Hill, um, is it imaginable, given more rapid data collection uh, as as we evolve on that end, is it imaginable that we could create a more uh, uh, flexible and uh, dy- and yet dy- and dynamic. I'm 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 searching for the right word and probably not finding it. But uh, you mentioned at the outset that CMS is constrained in certain ways because of the legislation. Could we imagine a scenario where the legislation gave CMS the authority, but also the clear direction for how to do this in a way that sort of captures the the guidance that that you suggested around um, using evidence to clarify and refine, but not have this always just sort of up in the air so that no one can plan?
1: Unfortunately, I think uh, I have to say that navigating the kind of reform I was talking about would be extremely difficult. And, and this is the reason. Uh, we live in a world in which in Medicare, it's a zero sum game. And the Congressional Budget Office is the arbiter. And we have three programs, you know, one program value-based purchasing, which in a sense is budget neutral. It takes money from hospitals and then rewards hospitals. But then we have two other programs, the readmissions program and the uh, hospital-acquired conditions program that are penalty programs. So on the big congressional budget office baseline in the sky, those two programs have savings projected. They're penalty programs and they project those savings. If we were to try to change this, uh, pro, uh, this whole uh, design, uh, the CBO would come back and say, "Well, you've got to have because we live in a in a in a in a policy making world uh, that, that many on Congress would like to be a zero sum game." They would say, "Well, if we reorganize these programs, we have to come up with the same level of penalties or the same level of savings, or even in the value based purchasing program, uh, we can't make it spend any more money." than zero uh and frankly i'm not sure because here i think you need to weigh incentives versus penalties whether if we were to rethink these programs we would necessarily want to end up with burdensome penalties we might want to make it all incentives or uh, we might want to move more money around to adjust for all these new uh, aspects uh, of disparities and social determinants that we know uh, need to be uh, rewarded for hospitals and at least helped as they as they try to cope with these. So I I, I guess in terms of the zero sum game of Congress and policy making in Medicare, I think it would be very very hard to do. On the other hand, I frankly think it's essential because these programs are just too critical uh, for the care we provide. Uh, you know, particularly the readmissions program, I think needs a a, a real re-examination and revamp as well as the hospital acquired conditions the structure of that program and I think our 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 findings uh, our longitudinal findings indicate that the fact that 15 uh, and 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 twenty one uh show the same hospitals uh, in the same circumstances and and you know as I said you know eighty four percent of uh, of hospitals are penalized in readmissions uh, 67% are, are the recurrers in the 25% that receive penalties in the hospital-acquired conditions program. I think that tells us something, that these programs need to be reexamined. But um, uh, the policymakers are going to need to figure out how do they over- overcome the constraints of, of, of CBO.
0: Well, the realist uh, speaks, but um, I think for uh, the policy community coming to some understanding of the importance of revisiting programs like these that have a long tail and uh, our understanding of their effects really does evolve. We need to find ways to get our evidence back into the policy process, even though it's not easy. And I know that's something you work on every day. Chip, thank you for uh, the analysis here, for keeping this issue on the table, and uh, for being my guest today on Health Policy.
1: Thank you so much, Alan. And I hope our work will be helpful as people think through these very complicated, compelling, and really
0: important problems. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, I hope you'll tell a friend about the health policy.